0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. We're so happy that um, you're here this morning, in spite of the fact that we're doing a study on the Book of Revelation. And on Mother's Day, we're talking about the doom of Babylon. Does it get any better than that? Actually, this is really exciting, though, because when you think about the fact that this is what the Lord is talking about, where, where things are building and growing, but ultimately, then starting next week, it's all about the, the return of Christ and the Merry Supper of the Lamb and the glory of the Lord. I think the thing that has um, been on my heart so much this morning, because all day yesterday, I'm like, oh, Lord, please, doom of Babylon on Mother's Day? <laughs> What's that about? But I woke up this morning... Uh, and my heart was light. I, my heart started to get heavy yesterday. I, who knows why? But I, I just felt the lightness of the Lord, and, and I just woke up this morning with the Scripture verse of Paul writing to Timothy and verifying to him the power of a mother and of a grandmother who stands firm and strong for the faith. And actually, Paul called on the faith of Timothy's mother and of his grandmother and he built on a faith that had been established in the hearts of their children. So even as we're looking at the book of Revelation today, it makes us aware of the fact that um, the role of a mother or a grandmother standing firm and strong, and it doesn't diminish the role of the father, but it, the, 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 the Lord gave us this story to empower the understanding that a mother can have in in a a faith that can be built upon. You can't make your kids' choices for them. You can't decide how everything unfolded. But you you can lay a foundation of faith and confidence. That it was later, Timothy had a non-Jewish father who didn't share the faith as far as we know. And maybe your mom would feel as though, but the power in my son's life was so influenced by the father, and yet the Apostle Paul determined that the faith of a mother taught to a child is a foundation that the Lord will honor and that the Lord is going to establish. So I wanna honor all your mothers. So even when we're thinking about Babylon, where the world is going, for a mom to be equipped with an understanding of what it means to be set apart and to be consecrated to the Lord and to model that to her children, to know the plan of the ages, and where humanity is going is as vital to motherhood as anything else. A a mother should be equipped to know what's going on and the spirit of the age and things as they're unfolding. Your children, even during a time like this, will be looking for an anchor, something to stand on because we do happen to live in a time right now where everything is being dismantled. When it comes to family, the role of parents, when it comes to gender, when it comes to sexual expression, when it comes to truth and education, in a time when things are being dismantled, the faith, the rock solid faith of a mother who is unwavering embedded in the word is is something that is, uh, if a, if a, a boy or a girl has that in their mother or in the grandmother, they are wealthy beyond understanding. And that's really so good. And so I want us to look. So let's look at the doom of Babylon. You mind doing that with me? Let's turn in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 17. Because what this is talking about even today is what is the uniqueness of the Christian faith? Because right now, listen, there's a a pluralism that's being represented out there, not just in um, unbelievers, but in the church as well. People are not willing to say anymore that Jesus is the unique path, the one and only, even as he declared to, to the revelation of God the Father. It's really easy to allow all the foundations. I want you to be aware of the fact as well today that there is a duplicity even in the, the body of Christ and in churches. There are, there are plenty of churches even in this valley that, would, that will invite any religion, any path, any journey into their liturgy, into their sermons, or whatever it might be. And God is, is going, he, he speaks to us because when this whole... First off, I, I could never follow a God who is as, has as many multiple personalities as the concept of the God who says all these paths lead to the one true God. They are in conflict within each other. Even they, some of them have codified within their holy, holy writings the opportunity to persecute, to even take the lives of others that it it doesn't make sense. You can't go there. But now what we're finding out that in this idea, and here's what I want us to understand, the the principle and the concept of love is going to be used against Christians. And that things will be done in the name of love, in the covering of love. And that if you really love, then you you owe it to that, that worldview, that mindset, that philosophy, that religion to say, oh, it's okay. We're all just going up to the same mountain of God, right? And so it sounds loving. The same thing is actually gonna be used concerning sexuality, sexual expression, gender issues. The idea will be this, is that it will be wrapped in love and who loves and who doesn't love. So we find out that there was coming in in this a world system of Babylon a religious one world faith, one world religion, that will be shrouded, wrapped in love, and one of the characteristics of it is gonna be immorality. And what we have to realize that what's going on culturally right now is being framed in love, but the scriptures describe it as immorality. And the truth of the matter is this, is that we walk forward in compassion towards all people. So I'm not suggesting that we grab pitchforks and torches and go after any particular group of people. Of course not. But we have to be people that understand is that love values truth. Love values truth. And for the sake of love, to surrender truth is actually to deny people of the path to God and to deny them of God's purpose and plan for their life and so I want us to look at this the the Duma Babylon in Revelation chapter 17 and then in chapter 18 so obviously we're going to have to move quickly but 17 talks about a Babylonian system which there this year there is evidence of where this is going and then then also there's going to be an establishment of an economic center in the area of Babylon so I've talked so much already. I'm hoping we can get through all this. In 17, verse 1, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of sexual immorality, and those who live on the earth became drunk with the wine of her sexual immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman, was clothed, the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold, precious stones and pearls, holding in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead a name was written, a, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly. And the angel said to me, Why do you wonder? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come up out of the abyss and go to destruction, and those who live on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will wonder when they see the beast and he was and is not and will come here is the name which has wisdom the seven heads are seven mountains seven mountains you know the seven mountains of rome seven heads are seven mountains upon which the woman sits and they are seven kings five have fallen one is and the other has not yet come and when he comes he must remain a little while The beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven, and he goes to destruction. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have not yet received the kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These have one purpose, and they give their power and authority to the beast. These will wage war against the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and those who are with him are the called and chosen and faithful." And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast, these will hate the prostitute and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. The woman who you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And Lord, I invite your blessing upon the word of the Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's talk about this Babylon. Even this very year in 2022, I don't know if you know this or not, but the, um, the, the current pope signed an agreement with with a muslim leader agreeing that there in, un, there's going to be a higher level of tolerance now tolerance is a word that we all love and if it certainly meant hey we're not going to kill each other anymore that would be a good thing but in the guise of tolerance what they're doing is is that they're bringing a blending of religions here in the year 2022 they have a new interface center it's it's already being established and built in abu dhabi in the uh, part of the United Arab Emirate, and it's gonna have on its ground a synagogue, and it's gonna have a mosque, and it's gonna have a church. Now, all of this is being spearheaded by the, the current pope with, with Muslim leadership in the world today. It's such an amazing revelation that the Bible has said that there's coming a day when there is going to be this Babylonian system, this Babylon, that is actually gonna be a coalition and a coming together of worship under the guise and under the premise that there are many paths to god so if can i remind everybody here that satan is not original and so he has this idea uh, in his mind to recreate the godheads the 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 dragon satan is god the father God the Son, under the dragon, would be the Antichrist, and God the Holy Spirit, he is, he is replaced with the false prophet. So we have this trinity that's going on. This whole trinity even came out of the idea of a religion that has started millennia ago in Babylon, the, even the idea of, of a child that was conceived out of the gods, so that, that there been a, there has been a false religion set up by satan for thousands of years that declared that there is going to be a deity that's going to be born upon the earth now why did satan create such a religion he created it for this reason this reason the scriptures were very clear and wanted us to know that the serpent had been told that the seed of the woman will crush the seed or the offspring The offspring of the serpent. And so Satan has realized that even in the Word, there's going to be a contest between the seed of God, the Messiah, the Christ, and he will battle against the unholy seed, which is the offspring of Satan. In this scripture verse right here, it says that this beast is the one who was and is, uh, was not and now is. What is that a reference to? It's a reference actually to Judas Iscariot. People don't even realize that Judas Iscariot walked and operated in the spirit of Antichrist. And that's why Satan had put in his, heart to be able to do this evil he was inhabited by the dragon satan uh, judas was when he did that and so the bible even tells us that when he hung himself it says concerning judas something it says that it doesn't say about anybody else who has ever died it says that when judas died he went to his own place Why did he go to his own place? He was uniquely set aside to be a part of this uprising of the Antichrist, which at the end will want to be these two adults that will come against the purpose of God. Satan wants this false trinity. So let's you know, the the Bible says that the Babylon right here is a mystery. Why is it a mystery? In chapter 17, it's a mystery. In chapter 18, it's a very real city that will be destroyed. It's a mystery in chapter 17. Why? Satan imitates everything. Because the scriptures have revealed that the bride of Christ is a mystery, that God had a bride. What do we read in the book of Revelation? The bride was a city. The city was the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. So Satan is like, wait a minute. If Jesus Christ has a city that's his bride, I want to have a city. It's going to be like my bride. He establishes Babylon. Now, you might say to yourself, no, wait a minute, though. How could the the return of Christ happen so quickly? There is no city of Babylon right now. Well, there... We know exactly where it was. There's some infrastructure there. Napoleon wanted to rebuild. That's where he died, actually. He laid out all kinds of plans for the rebuilding of the city of Babylon. This is something the enemy has wanted to do. But can I remind you? First off, we don't know from the catching up of the church and the rapture until the seven years happened. There could be a few years in there. It doesn't, doesn't teach that it begins automatically. But I do want to say this, is that there's going to be a commercial center in the area where Babylon was. If you remember, that's where the Tower of Babel was. And in that place, it could very easily be built in three and a half years if it's just a financial center. You realize that right now that, um, that um, I'm sorry, it just flew out of my head. The city that's um, in the Middle East with all the skyscrapers, Dubai, Dubai. Dubai from when they be, from when they broke down until the people started to move in was six years. Can I remind everybody that the the impetus for building. Babylon is actually going to be, the Antichrist is going to call all the nations of the world to come and bring together their money and to bring together their intelligence and resources. And very easily, there could be this establishment. In order, though, for there to be establishment of a new economic center, the economic centers of the world right now have got to be brought down. New York City is the economic capital of the world. It's, it's, its potential for demise is, is very real right now. And people are leaving it in the droves. And so you look at London. London is second. London is going through the same challenges that New York City is going as, as, as well. So when you think about what's happening right now as, na- as global financial systems have the potential of collapsing, the opportunity for the Antichrist to rise up and to build from the ground up a very real new commercial center is something that is, is not outside of reasonableness. Now, so that's the possibility of the building of the real city of Babylon but also we want to understand that that is an imitation of the new Jerusalem that Christ is going to have come down from heaven. Now, Jesus would never be married to a city. That doesn't make any sense at all. What it's talking about is that the inhabitants of the new city of Jerusalem are going to be the ones that carry the love for Jesus. It's about inhabitants. Jesus isn't going to marry buildings. He's going to, be, he's going to be married to people, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But while the city of Babylon doesn't exist today in what we get a glimpse of in chapter 18, we do know that the mystery of Babylon, the system, the, myst, the mystique of the religion, has been around since the fall of Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve were uh, rebelled against the Lord, and they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, it was right in the region of where the Tower of Babel was built. It, 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 it's been the center of a rebellion against God since, since Adam and Eve fell. It's, it was most likely the center uh, of, uh, well, no, I'm saying most likely, it was absolutely part of the 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 antediluvian the pre-flood rebellion against God, where the sons of God had relations with the daughters of men, and they created this this breed of being that could not be redeemed. It was it was the center of the of the rebellion that created the flood. Then after the flood, we find out the Tower of Babel. What was that? It was a desire that Satan attempted Eve with. You'll be like God. Oh, same region same region where the rebellion happened outside of the gates of the garden of eden then they're going to build this tower under god mankind was tempted to do that and then that be resulted in the birth of all the nations this is the this is the mystery of lawlessness the mystery of wickedness if christians could begin to understand there are two only two mysteries that are happening on the earth today only two mysteries the There's the mystery of Christ, that he's gathering for himself a people, but there's the mystery of Babylon. Out of the worship of Babylon, whether the rebellion before the flood or the building of the Tower of Babel, every religion on the earth today can be dated back or traced back to the Babylonian cult that was in the city of Babylon And as we're looking at all of that, we're understanding this is that God is saying, you take all the cults, all the religions, all the philosophies, and all the ideas, particularly the cult of man learning or being taught that they are created in the image of God and that they are deity themselves and they should strive to become like God's. That's exactly what happened before the flood. That's exactly what happened during the building of the Tower of Babel. And it's still a doctrine today. New Age is filled with the idea of connecting to the divine within. Find your own divinity. And all of that, that's part of the Babylonian mystery. So when we think about this system and, and what it all looks like, we understand that the original city of Babylon was built on the Euphrates River. It was in the location of outside the gate of the, um, of the Garden of Eden. It was built by Nimrod. In Genesis chapter 10, verses 8 through 10, we read, Cush fathered Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, Calneh, in the land of Shinar. And here then we find out that this cult was established by Satan. And that cult is still alive on the earth today. The the religious system of Babylon promised this, a higher wisdom, you can enter into mystical secrets. In order to be a part of the Babylonian cult, you had to confess your sins to a priest, that you could then enter into this mystical brotherhood. And there was a high priest and he was actually called the pontiff. As you look at that, we realize that Babylon remained, the Babylonian cult, kept its seat in Babylon until the fall of the Babylonian Empire during the Medo-Persian collapse. And then Satan shifted the seat of the Babylonian cult. In other words, I I want you to understand something here. Satan works locally to influence the entire world. He's not omnipresent. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit who can move upon every gathering of any time you gather in my name. He can't operate that way. He's not omnipresent. He finds a location. Originally, his location was in Babylon. From there, he would tempt humanity. Then we find out that the Etruscans, this is very real. You can look up the history and all of this. They moved the Babylonian cult when Babylon collapsed to Pergamos. Pergamos, we read about in Revelation chapter 2, was one of the cities in which that God has said, Pergamos, I know who you are. You are the seat of Satan. How did this one little church end up in this town where the town was known as the seat of Satan? Because it actually, the Etruscans deliberately moved the cult from Babylon to the city called Pergamos. What did they do in Pergamos? That was the center in Asia Minor of the worship of the Caesars and they would declare that they are God. The emperor is God. So this is ascribing to a man deity. That's part of the cult. So we know that very real, that, that according to history, but also by the revelation of Jesus to the apostle John, he's saying the seed of Satan had moved to Pergamus. But now what do we find out? We find out that that um, John is getting a vision that the beast, who is the Antichrist, is rising up, and the Babylonian cult appears as a prostitute, and she's drunk with the blood of the saints. Why? Because she's become quite murderous, and she's killing those who believe in Jesus. She's drunk in their blood, but we find out that she rises, the beast rises up above the seven mountains. Well, what city is famous for the seven mountains? The seven mountains of Rome. So we're asking ourselves, what is the history of the mystery of the Babylonian cult? We find out that it moved from Babylon to Pergamos. John saw it in his day in Pergamos, but then he gets a revelation that this This prostitute is gonna rise up and he has a vision of the seven hills of Rome. Now, all of that is very interesting. As I mentioned to you, that the, the head of the Babylonian cult was called the pontiff. We also know this, that when the cult moved from Babylon to Pergamos, the head of the Babylonian cult was called the pontiff. But then what happened is, is that was a seat of the worship of the emperors. So then what, if, what they began to do is they began to call the emperor the pontiff. Julius Caesar was the first one who adopted the title of the Babylonian cult leader of the pontiff. And so then he became the, the ruler, not just over the civil affairs of Rome, but also the religious and the spiritual affairs of Rome. So that's very interesting. And then as we look at that, they were recognizing that Pontius, that Julius Caesar is the Pontus, but then Caesar Augustus became the supreme pontiff of the Babylonian order, and he was called the Pontifex Maximus. Now let me just share this with you and I'm sorry if, you, if this steps on the toes of your personal um, Christian journey but the truth of the matter is is that there was one emperor who decided that, as a, that now that the Rome had become Christian that an emperor shouldn't carry this title of a pagan deity. So who took the title? The Bishop of the Church of Rome became the Pontifex Maximus. And he's carried that title. And this is is an understanding for us to begin to know that Satan in his strategy has always wanted to strike the heel of Christ. And even from the very beginning, his strategy was to bring a corruption to christianity and we see how the leader of the babylonian cult moved to pergamus from pergamus he moved to rome and from rome that title pontifex maximus was adopted by the by, by the emperors but then one of them because he refused to be to take on a non-christian title surrendered the title and it was picked up by the bishop of rome now i just i just Please, I know that you might think, where is he getting this from? Just go online and read the history of how things continue to proceed. So from 376 A.D., when Gratian, the emperor, rejected the title, it became the title for Damasus. In 366 A.D., Damasus took on that title of the Pontifex, maximus now why am i saying all this i I want us to understand that right now we are living in a day even where we are seeing the pontifex maximus aligning himself now with the concept of a world religion now i am not broad brushing any idea of if someone is catholic that they don't know christ of course i'm not saying that but i am saying this that Satan has diabolically, literally, strategized so that when the true believers, and God only knows who they are, are taken up in the rapture, we have to know this, there will be church left behind. There will be people who won't be caught up. Jesus said that. Some of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Do many wonderful things. And Jesus says, but I never knew you. So I want us to understand that the true believers, and we might be surprised who they are, because I'm not just here to indict um, the the church of Rome. I'm telling you, there could be even some people that are evangelical or, or whatever it might be, but have never that person, that individual, might not be born again. You need to know that you've been born again of the Spirit of God. This whole book is talking about the fact that some people are marked... With uh, the seal of the Antichrist, but the believer is sealed, the Apostle Paul taught us, with the Holy Spirit. I'm not asking you whether you were baptized. I'm not asking you whether you were raised in a church that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, because you have to be born again of the Spirit of God. Jesus said you must be born again. You must have the Holy Spirit. You must have a vital and a very living and a very real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul, wanted you and I to know that when you receive Christ, you receive a spirit of adoption whereby you know that you are a child of God. If you're sitting here today and you cannot say to me, Jim, I don't know, I hope so. You know, if someone asked me, are you a Christian? I'd say yes, no. I'm not asking, do other people say you're a Christian? I'm asking, do you have the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that you've been born again by the lord if you if you don't man you know come to christ come to him today and you know what if you say well i've come to him many times and i'm still not sure i'm going to tell you this then then just wrestle through because there is a surety that god has for you that you are born again you he came so that you might be sure So there's gonna be a religion, a mystery cult, a mystery joining together of of all the nations of the earth, and that the Bible says that all the kings will say, but didn't we drink of her immorality? Didn't we we get drunk with what she had? And what the scriptures are referring to there is that since the history of the fall of Adam and Eve, there is a draw, there is a call for man to be religious. That's why no matter what country you go, to, you cannot find a group of people that you can say there's no evidence of any desire for spirituality. Even when you find out that there are atheistic political systems that wanted to destroy all faiths, all religions, the people still insist on the pursuit of spirituality. Why? Because we are created in the image of God and Satan has a lot of imitations that are out there. So this woman, this prostitute, representing all false religions and ideas and philosophies is rising up. And what we find out is that the Antichrist actually uses her. One of the signs of the beginning of the last days will be a call for all the religions just to come together in some kind of agreement. Now again, let me just say, we are not never as Christians condoning taking someone's property or livelihood or, or, or mandating they worship as we worship or, or God forbid where some religions require the taking the lives of another. That we, we move forward in, in the love of Christ and in the power of God. But there will be in the last days a call and, a, and the declaration will be if you do not say all religions carry equal value, then you will be labeled as intolerant and unloving. And in that environment, it's gonna become very difficult. But here's what we understand by verse 16 through 18, that the the kings of the earth are going to begin to promote this one world religion as well. But what they're doing here is nothing more than the bidding of the Antichrist. Antichrist is the seed of Satan. Satan here's what we need to know. The strategy will be this. Get the people to compromise their faith, change their confession about the uniqueness of Jesus and who he is. The pressure will become so great, there will be a falling away. There will be some people who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and that he's the way, the truth, and the life. But when all the kings and all the nations say, we must come together and elevate this one-world religion, many people are not gonna be able to survive under that kind of pressure. And the scriptures has warned us of that over and over again. But Satan is doing this, the Antichrist. He does not want a one-world religion, Ultimately, he wants everybody worshiping him. What, like Satan asked Jesus, I'll give you the nations. See, this is about kings and nations. I'll give to you, Jesus, the nations if you'll just bow down and worship me. So the Antichrist, and I believe we're seeing an increase of the spirit of Antichrist is being used under the guise of religion to get everybody into one mindset But ultimately, the kings and the Antichrist will rise up against this one world religion because Satan wants all the worship for himself. And that's why we need to know again, once again, that we are just in a spiritual battle. So then it says in verse 18, after these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority and the earth was illuminated from his glory and he cried out with a mighty voice saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality and the kings of the earth have committed acts of sexual immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich from the excessive wealth of her luxury so in chapter 18 we have one angel announcing the fall of mystery babylon and in chapter 18 we've got these another angel now announcing the fall of babylon which is very real i believe some people blend them together one is the mystery of the babylonian cult The second one is the mystery of a city that will be the bride of the Antichrist to mock Jesus Christ and the bride of the new Jerusalem that's coming down out of heaven. And as we're looking at all of this, the people are beginning to celebrate, or or, I'm sorry, but the Antichrist is celebrating the fall of Babylon, even though it is a city that was built to be a city of great glory and honor. So we're looking at all of this. I want us to understand today I was in Denver not too long ago, and it was when one of the, I think it was during the, the gay marriage thing. You drive through Denver, and all these churches were flying the pride flag. I mean, it looked like more churches were flying it than, than weren't. And on that, then, there were signs that they all felt they needed to put up and say, this is a house of love. This is a house of acceptance and all these kind of things. I I want us to understand when we're looking at what's going on right now, um, if you look at some of the artwork that's going on in our public schools right now to influence our kids, the issue of tolerance of every lifestyle that is unbiblical and actually unlawful in the kingdom as well as the calling down for Christians to lay down the uniqueness of who they are and who Christ is and that message and to preach them with conviction and absolute understanding and knowledge. There was a recent polling of Christians and an alarming number of Christians. I wish I'm saying this off the top of my head, but I think it's 40% of Christians believe today that Jesus is not the only way to God. And in the understanding of all of this, I want to encourage our mothers that are here today. I want to encourage our grandmothers. I want to encourage every father, every man, every woman, every one of us to resist the call and the criticism that we don't care about others and that we don't love others. How diabolical of the enemy to take the first and the greatest commandment that was given to us and to use it against us, merely because we stand up for Jesus Christ, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that the biblical order of our morality actually then is turned into a system of hate. And so I just, in the understanding of all of that, I hope that we understand that we are, we have to become men and women that are filled with the Spirit of God, filled with conviction, filled with the Word of God, because the attack against you that you don't love strikes a chord in your heart that is devastating, because it is your desire to be loving towards all mankind. But you also understand this, without truth there is no love. But the Bible has said, speak the truth in love. So let love guide how you speak. But don't let the accusation of being unloving determine what you speak. Because your love for God and for the word of God makes you a more loving individual to help get people on the path of heaven. Mm -hmm. What the devil wants to do right now is to take as many people to hell as he possibly can. And if you speak the words of love, which are the words of eternal life, which are the words of Jesus, others around you might not know your motivations, but you have to know in your heart why you believe what you believe, why you say what you say, and why you have positioned yourself where you've positioned yourself. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's all stand up. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to be men and women called to walk in this day according to righteousness, faith, and truth. And I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God will be strong in the hearts of every man and woman that's here. Help us to be set apart, unique. Lord, Jesus fought against sin to the point of death. He never stopped fighting. And so, Father, I pray, let every man and woman here fight the good fight of faith. In Jesus' name, with your head bowed and eye closed, just real quickly, does anybody here today need Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior? Do you need to know that he is in your heart today and your sins are forgiven? If you want that today, I want you to do two things. First, raise your hand, just acknowledging I want to be included in the closing prayer. And secondly, I'm going to invite you to come up here in front of the church and just confess him as your Lord and Savior. You won't have to say anything but just come up here just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm demonstrating that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you lift up your hand just quickly before we go? Just saying today, I want to know that I'm saved. did you just raise your hand? Amen. Thank you, Father. So let's pray this prayer together. Say, Father in heaven, I need a Savior. Today, I declare that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart and wash me clean with your blood. Forgive me of all my sins. Everything, Lord. Take away every stain. Live in me today, Jesus. And from now on, as you live in me, I will live for you. Help me, God, to live for you. I receive your Holy Spirit into my heart. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I know I've met you before. What's your name? Heather, Heather, come on up here, Heather. Pam, you wanna join us? Heather, today you've decided to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Have you asked him into your heart? Yes. Yes. Heather, we don't know what's brought you to this day. But when all is said and done, I know it was Jesus who brought you here. And, you know, no matter how difficult the path was, I just want you to know that the Lord loved you so much that he wanted you to come to him today and dedicate your life to him. So Father, I just lift up Heather to you today, Lord, and I I thank you for Jesus that he saves still today. And I pray, Lord God, that you would come and that you would, Lord, no, you've already promised, you have washed her clean by the confession of her lips. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come today and fill her to all the fullness of the Spirit of God. Let all that's available to her be hers. Father, I pray, O oh Lord God, that you would break every strategy of the enemy, everything that's come against her, Lord God, everything that is, has that, that is pushed back on her her whole life. God, I, just, I declare the liberty and the freedom of Jesus Christ. And that, Father God, I pray, O oh Lord, that her life would bring forth the fruit of righteousness. And that, Lord God, that the joy of the Lord today would overwhelm her. The joy of the Lord would spring up inside her like a well. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that she would be today, Lord, on walking, running on the path of life that you have for her, Lord God. Let her life bring forth the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. We ask it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, Heather. God bless you so much. Amen. So, Father, I just pray, bless everyone that's here today, Lord, and let them go in the peace and the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything today, please come forward, and, and um, we want to pray and stand with you for whatever your, your need is today. We love you all. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.